0: This season, we've changed up our format where this used to be a place for book recommendations. It's now grown or sidetracked to include our inside scoop on what makes literature great, what makes our favorite books awesome, and what makes the classics terrible.
1: But today we're really going to take you to school. As season two winds down, we're going to go back to our roots for at least a bit in our last several episodes.
0: We spent all of last season recommending a lot of our favorite fantasy and science fiction, mostly because Joel and I have a limited scope and don't like to read anything that doesn't involve space, dragons, and lasers, or a combination of all three.
1: But we read smart people
0: books too. Yeah, well, <laughs> to prove that, today we're going to recommend some nonfiction reads. This is the book report. The book report. We
1: have a metal cover of our intro music now.
0: Oh, you'll understand when I tell you the book that I'm going to be talking about today, because this book is metal as hell. Mine's
1: a very nerdy kind of metal, if that makes any
0: sense. Well, we. some type of kryptonite that's not metal but it seems that's, like a metal
1: no that's a what it's is a rock. <laughs> Rocks
0: have it's a rock metal
1: it's right? a rock right crystal i think something structure. okay i'm definitely putting this community discussion back in so spoilers for community you guys um i don't know how i'm gonna get that in with the spoilers after i said spoilers
0: and <laughs> it's a post-editing have greg take care of it
1: yeah who's Greg,
0: our post editor. Do you just
1: think I become a different person when I edit this podcast?
0: Yeah, I assume that you use your alternative personality, which is based off of your middle name. And that's how we get these things edited.
1: Okay, well. I, I don't understand your reality, but I'm glad I get to live in it.
0: You're welcome. (laughs) It's very nice here. (laughs) very colorful we uh jennifer and i finished community her for the first time um nah, it was like it sucks to finish community because that means that you watched the final season which is a terrible terrible season
1: i mean they had like two or three redeeming episodes in it but yeah you're right
0: it's pretty awful. not enough to make the season worth watching
1: no i just got um my friend dylan to start
0: watching it and we've gone through almost the entire first season in like 3 days. Oh, it's very funny, but you guys need to not watch it in the last season. Just headcanon it ends after season 5.
1: Yeah, but the last episode and the last like 30 seconds or 2 minutes of the last episode are one of the pet most perfect things oh, I've ever
0: had. Oh my god, no, the last episode was so disappointing. Watching the it commercial for the
1: second time, at the end though is the greatest thing ever
0: commercial oh, yeah i mean like that was <laughs> funny but that also felt more like original community where the rest of the episode just didn't it didn't even feel like the season was ending it no, was it weird didn't.
1: it was it was i, I mean you're 100 percent right it doesn't hold up compared to any of the other seasons but parts of it are worth watching
0: and yeah i think honestly me
1: makes me finish it
0: Honestly, though, since the whole thing was about a community college experience, I really think that the last episode should have been some type of a graduation. Because we watched six seasons of a show about community college, and there was not a single episode that dealt with graduation for any classes. Was there?
1: In, In season four, Jeff graduated.
0: Did he have there a graduation, though? I don't remember. There,
1: no, the, there wasn't. It was the, the point was it's community college, so they just handed you the diploma
0: oh, and the dean that. dressed up in but some stupid like costume. I felt like they could have done better than that um, True. because they wasted their second to last episode of the entire show. On a incestuous marriage episode <laughs> between a character that no one even remembers exists.
1: I forgot about that. Uh, I, but the outro in that one where they were just like, "We promised we would do let him do his episode if
0: we proved that he wrote it." Else. Yeah, I understand that. But the fact that we had to watch an episode centered <laughs> on Garrett.
1: Oh God.
0: Who only uh-huh. talks in screeches was just awful
1: that was uh i don't know i appreciate the stupidity of it
0: no 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 that episode itself was funny it should not have been the second to last episode
1: no no you're 100 right
0: it shouldn't have been at all it just didn't fit <laughs> it was weird Alien Anyways, sub-species.
1: what letter does your book start with i know you told me a little bit about what it's about but i don't remember the title it starts with t dang it i have to go first mine starts with g so good. Mm-hmm. you always do this to me especially when i'm not as prepared uh, okay so my um, we can
0: switch it up if you want me to
1: go i first? Don't mind.
0: i love this book and i could talk about it for an hour i won't okay then spoil we probably the
1: don't need to let you go first because uh-huh. <laughs> you wanted to keep it a short episode i'll go,
0: first,
1: go and first and go fairly quick my book is called ghost in the wires um it's got a subtitle that I never realized it had a subtitle and I wanted to picked it up as if it did. But subtitle is my adventures as the world's most wanted hacker. Um, so this book is by someone I'm sure anybody who's ever worked in corporate America now knows it's by Kevin Mitnick. Does that name sound familiar to you at all?
0: No. Why the hell would that name sound familiar to anyone? That sounds like a character's name.
1: No, trust me. It's actually a really boring reason it's familiar to everyone because he's was at one time the world's most wanted hacker. He went to prison for several years for hacking. Um, but now he is the world's most famous like, white hat hacker, and every single corporate like uh, security video is like hosted or written by him. And he's so he grew up to be this really boring person. It's very annoying.
0: Um, there was I'm a like, guy like that who ended up. Um, I think he was part of like the original WikiLeaks or something. But he ended up uh, living in Wichita, Kansas, which is where I was from for a time. And he was in, like, his 30s, and he just wound up dead. Of oh, an apparent wow. suicide.
1: Well, yeah, this guy's story, so. I mean, this is, this, uh, <laughs> Nick's story is crazy interesting. And he is the, um, he's the, like, cause of a whole bunch of computer myths and, like, hacking, uh, Lingo and he like invented social engineering. Like, he is the reason hacking is a thing
0: for Sounds some like a nerd. to a
1: large degree. He is a nerd, um, but he was like doing all this stuff before personal computers were a thing. Like, and that's what I find that kind of stuff really interesting. I loved the show Halt and Catch Fire, and I loved, um, uh, the movie, uh, um, about Imitation Game. Um, mm-hmm. I love like the birth of computer stuff. And so that's the main reason I picked up this book is because it covers that era. Because before he was ever, you know, hacking into like crazy complicated systems, what he actually went to prison for for five years was breaking into like AT&T phone boxes and servers that way, just by calling and lying to them. Um, and he eventually graduated that into hacking really complex computer systems but he started by doing what was known as phone freaking where you just um social engineer which is basically just elaborate lying and play acting um some people at major phone companies to where he could control other people's phones and he could order hacks on or yeah order taps on people's lines he could change people's numbers he could call and change what number he was calling from and literally every single time he's describing what he did All the stuff he did, he just did for fun and to see if he could do it, like to figure out the next step that he could do it. And it was so interesting hearing, like, from an obsessive personality, but obsessed about such a weird thing. It's like every time somebody invented a new security measure, he would, like, it would just, it's ingrained in him to try to figure out how to break it.
0: And I love so how that technical case. of a book is this? Because because of the subject matter, it seems like it has the propensity to get a little too technical for most people. Is that true, or does he explain it pretty
1: – No, he explains
0: it well, very plainly, plainly. Okay. and
1: he explains it so plainly that, like, you could do it. <laughs> like, he oh, – multiple fine. times in the books, he talks about how I'm fairly certain you could still do this today if you were so inclined. <laughs> He's like, well, okay. because they haven't upgraded this stuff. And because most of his hacking, like he went to prison for five years, uh, a little bit longer, actually. um, And four and a half years of that was in solitary confinement because of how terrified law enforcement uh, was of him because of how many things he could just accidentally do. Um, But he went to prison for stuff he didn't actually do or for things like trumped up charges, because at one point – Law enforcement and uh, FBI and judges claimed to uh, the judges that he could somehow dial into NORAD via any payphone, including a prison payphone, and communicate with the modem by whistling to launch nuclear missiles.
0: Like, Well, that's terrifying.
1: That was in court documents about him. It wasn't ever true, but he was true. that feared by people because he could nice. basically do – he could do anything with phones and computers because he was just around when they were invented and his brain is just wired to break things. So he just kept finding more fun ways to break them. But I think what kept me reading this book and what what I think you would find so interesting is that almost all of his hacking, and I did that in air quotes, but this is not a visual medium, so you couldn't see that. Um, We could feel
0: it. Okay. Felt the (laughs) condescension in your words.
1: (laughs) Almost all of it was literally just, Calling people with elaborate lies and having like the stones to back up people when they called him on lies, and so it's just okay. manipulation over the phone that got him so much stuff. Like he was pulling up people's unlisted numbers and putting taps on their phone lines
0: just because he nope. could,
1: like, okay. just nope. for fun. And I thought that was brilliant and insane. Um, but yeah, he goes so into. So is this
0: guy a sociopath? Because it sounds like he doesn't have much of a regard for other people's feelings or privacy or anything that most normal people do. Yeah.
1: The thing is he never once stole money and he never once used it for like criminal activity. Everything he did
0: was true. It is his book. But he also wrote it with his book and if he's this good, you know.
1: Him and Steve Wozniak wrote it together, so um there's a little bit of other people do it. But uh he like he just did it for fun. Just because he had like it's all he could do. Um, he and they claim he never stole money, but people claimed he did. Um, and he's had his records expunged because he's proven that he never did anything like negative with his power. He just used it to kind of prank people, which is kind of brilliant. That you're breaking super high-level federal crimes that were kind of invented for you, and you're not actually doing anything negative with them. You're just pranking people, <laughs> which I yeah. find kind of beautiful <laughs> but yeah it, no that sounds it, very cool for the sure the story ends well before he he found he yeah, he founded this security training program called know before and that's what my um state that's what the state uses to do all their security stuff and so like once okay. a month i have to have a video of this guy coming on and talking about this is what you should do like you know to avoid phishing scams and blah 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 and it's this guy who used to be super cool back in the 80s and 90s, and now he runs a security program and I
0: found that really boring. It's no longer fun. You know, I think it's a little suspicious that this guy wrote a book about his hacking escapades with Steve Wozniak, and Steve Wozniak was also, um, back when Bitcoin was going through the roof, Steve Wozniak ended up getting scammed out of like over a million dollars because someone stole his Bitcoin. This seems fishy right? Maybe yeah. it was this guy. Or I
1: don't think know. This guy did it. <laughs> Hopefully. He's smart enough that he could get away with this stuff.
0: That's what I I'm saying. My... This guy's playing the long con. Maybe. He's writing he books is, about like, it, and he's hiding stuff.
1: There's uh, the most interesting part of the book, and the thing I think you'll like the most. He did spend some time in Wichita, actually, and in Kansas. But um, uh, at one point, he got, got – caught and he was sentenced 12 months in prison followed by three years of supervised release and during the end of this release he hacked into pacific bell um their new voicemail computer system mm-hmm. um and then he got caught and he found out like he, he didn't really hack into the fbi but he used social engineering tactics to find out that there was a warrant out for him so he went on the run and so the whole middle portion of this book is him telling you how he created false identities and like ran around the country. And he had two different, like he had a bank job for a while. Like he worked at a bank for a long time while he was under an assumed identity (laughs) fleeing from the FBI. And he just explains how he did all this. And it sounds so insanely easy to do. And I'm like, how Mm -hmm. did you get away with this? And it's just, and then he kind of gets caught there. He gets suspicious there and he goes to another place and he just keeps like, Kind of crisscrossing the country, running from the FBI, but not breaking the law because he – or not getting caught breaking the law because he knows if he can wait out his probation, he can just go back home and take his identity again he's fine. <laughs> and it's just like the most interesting part of the book is this dude just like, and yeah, sure, I definitely hacked into um, – or I, I converted my phone into a tracer on all FBI and – police informant services so that i could know when they were tracking me uh and at one point they started tracking that and they were following me around downtown um like colorado like some city in colorado with a helicopter so i had to throw my phone and hop through a window to escape but i never actually broke the law i was just like
0: what the oh my god <laughs> so amazing that's so cool they should make a movie out of this guy
1: they really they really um apparently a lot of war games the movie war games is okay. based on his uh is based on the rumors of what he could do. Huh. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. So, so this like, guy's
0: kinda like a legend in the um intelligence circles. Yeah, hundred percent. Like he is very cool.
1: He is the reason a bunch of hacking terms and hacking laws exist. Um yeah, he's a really interesting guy, but he went to prison for like five years and there became this huge freak heaven movement and he got out and the book covers all of this and it's all like from his point of view. Talks about how horrible solitary is, um, especially when it looks like the entire government is against you for literally they don't understand how computers work. So they locked him in jail for five years when he's like, I didn't do anything and I can't launch nuclear bombs by whistling into a phone.
0: Calm down. (laughs) Huh? That's that's very interesting. I've never heard of this guy. And I'm kind of surprised because you would think that since he's had this kind of an influence you would run across him in at least one or two places or maybe i have and i just didn't notice it
1: you probably have because i've i had heard of him before the book but i didn't realize all of this detail like he stopped being a big deal in hacking somewhere around 2005 or 6 like when he finally got out of prison yeah Uh, uh, and now he's um big time into uh like white hat hacking and he's helping people build better security systems and fixing vulner- vulnerabilities cannot
0: oh, that's absolutely it. where where you should be if you're this good because that's where all the money is just go to corporate america sell your soul and retire yeah. at age 40
1: <laughs> well like when he was first released from prison like on probation he wasn't allowed to touch a computer and computers were barely a thing so that wasn't a big deal but he wasn't yeah. allowed to touch a computer he wasn't allowed to own a cell phone and that's what like got him violating his probation i mean he did Uh-oh. hack into pacific bell but technically, what he did
0: was have a cell phone or something, which was really gotcha. ridiculous. Huh. Well, that's interesting. I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah, it's called Ghost
1: in the Wires. And I loved it. It was really interesting. And if you could listen to the audiobook, which I had it on Kindle and audiobook, it's actually him reading it. So he's telling the story and you can feel him like laughing and cutting up at the more comical points in the book he wrote, which is really fun. I always like it when the authors read their autobiographies.
0: That is kind of fun. A lot of times you get an um, audio book and it's just kind of dry or it doesn't flow well. So that would be good. All right. So tell me about
1: your um, metal book.
0: Yeah. So this book is called The Tunnels of Chi. And it is about Tunnels underground. Of is this a porn? C- C-U-C-H-I. <laughs> it's Vietnamese. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. You, you weren't going to let a title like that get
0: by me. <laughs> All right, I'll compose myself. I'll wait. <laughs> you just said the tunnels of
1: Gucci. What the hell am I supposed to do? I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Uh, okay, I've composed myself. Kind of. Go on. <laughs> the isolation is getting to me. I'm good now. You can talk.
0: I don't believe you. Just don't I'm say just the title give you a again.
1: Don't say the title get, again that casually.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna give you a minute. No, I'm good. You're gonna have to. I, you're gonna have to hear it a couple of times, buddy. Sorry.
1: Uh, okay. I'm good. I promise.
0: i just. I'm just making sure. Just making sure. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So my book is about tunnel warfare in. Vietnam during the Vietnam War, and it is absolutely fascinating because if you are like most people, you're probably a little bit claustrophobic, and this whole book you're a is lot about bit claustrophobic. How, what was that?
1: And you, if I remember correctly, are a lot bit claustrophobic. I'm actually not. I'm pretty good.
0: I'm pretty good. Remember I can. Remember that time we were crawling in tunnels
1: underneath the school and you. Oh, almost that's because I heard a
0: dog and I thought it was going to run in and attack there us. There was no um, dog thought about a dog remember hearing a dog
1: okay i feel a little bad that i laughed that hard at something that's about warfare um yeah apologies go on
0: i would love to but you keep interrupting me
1: okay i'll be silent sorry
0: i will ruin this entire podcast you will have to delete the entire thing
1: well that would be rude it would be Okay, I'm not going to talk for the next five minutes.
0: So my book is about tunnel warfare in Vietnam during the Vietnam War, and it's really interesting. Um, This whole thing centers around how the Vietnamese were driven underground to defend their home country. So they built these tunnels underneath cities that connected villages and towns. And these weren't just like small little bomb-proof bunkers. These were hundreds of kilometers of tunnels that were all interconnected, And cut through almost the entire country of Vietnam and served as like a major network for the Viet Cong to communicate, to fight from, to hide in. And the problem with that is that if you are fighting a war, you need to be able to see your enemies. And the Americans weren't ever really able to see who they were fighting because they would be settling down for the night. They'd set up a perimeter. They would think they were safe. They'd post guards around their camp. And then in the middle of the night, suddenly people would start shooting at the Americans from inside the camp. And the Americans would be like, well, what the hell's going on? How did they get past our, you know, perimeter? And it would be because there were tunnel entrances that just popped up right in the middle of the camps. And so Jeez. over time, what the American Yeah. And so over time, what the Americans had to do is they had to figure out, okay, so how do we negate? this huge advantage that the Viet Cong have so first they tried bombing the tunnels but the tunnels were deep enough and well made enough that they were essentially bomb proof so you couldn't bomb them out then they tried to gas the tunnels but the tunnels were made with like um like a u bend in the tunnel and then the u was filled with water so gas couldn't get through the entire tunnel complex oh brilliant does does that make sense kind of like you've been in your pipe yeah Yeah, Yeah, exactly like that. So all these tunnels had those near the entrances. Um, And so eventually what the Americans had to do was they had to send men down into the tunnels armed with nothing more than a flashlight and a pistol to go hunt the Viet Cong inside their own tunnels. Jeez. How terrifying is that?
1: Yeah, how has there not been a movie made about this?
0: I know. So these guys were called tunnel rats and they would go into these tunnels and they would try to ferret out the Viet Cong. But there were a lot of issues with that because the Viet Cong would do things like um, they would tie snakes to the ceiling that would bite Mm. at your face if you went in the tunnel or they would like create those tiger pit traps in the tunnels. So if you fell, you would fall into these Punjabi stick traps and get stuck Um, they would booby trap the ever loving hell out of the tunnels. So grenades would go off and bombs would explode. Um, or they would even lure you. And then you being the Viet Cong would like shimmy yourself up a really thin, um, tunnel. And then you would throw a grenade down the tunnel and then you would jump over a trap door and hold it shut with your body weight. And the grenade would blow up and kill the Americans and you'd be fine. Like so many insane types of, fights happened just underneath the ground where no one could help you or get you out. Yeah, it was like a insane. giant booby trapped war. Yeah.
1: No wonder we lost Vietnam.
0: Yeah. And so these guys, these Americans would try to figure out new ways to go in and fight. And so there was all of this technological development that was created to try and help them um, from like new guns that were lighter or smaller to new types of lights that were controlled with like your mouth and all this stuff. But time and time again, the Americans were just like, Nope, simple is better. And also um, they had to have like the smallest of the American fighters go down into the tunnels because these were built by Vietnamese people who tend to be pretty small. So these tunnels are described like just a little bit bigger than like, think of the um, the opening on a front-loading uh, washing machine. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I'm getting very claustrophobic just thinking about this exactly, now. Exactly, exactly. I keep trying to talk to my wife about this book, and she won't let me discuss it because she gets so <laughs> freaked out. Um, but can I actually read just a short passage from this book? Sure.
1: I was actually okay, so, planning on reading the opening lines to the new um, – I'll talk about it later. Go.
0: Yeah, so this is from the perspective of a Viet Cong soldier named Tuan. A small earthfall from the exposed tunnel entrance warned Tuan that the first American tunnel soldier was descending. Tuan had purposefully ordered that the first shaft be dug just over three feet deep, which meant the American would have to descend feet first and then wriggle awkwardly into the long communication tunnel where Tuan waited, hidden in an alcove. In the past, as a GI's feet had touched the bottom— twin had stabbed the soldier in the groin with his bayonet so imagine being an american soldier uh, no you're told <laughs> that you have to go into this tunnel you just hop down into the tunnel and are immediately stabbed in the nuts with a bayonet
1: yeah that sounds like a very unpleasant day
0: yeah that's what these people are dealing with and it was really interesting because eventually the Viet Cong realized that these tunnels were the safest place To live, and so they started building things underneath the ground. So they would have um, like cooking areas, they would have barracks, they would have storage caches, they would even have um, like medical facilities. There's an entire chapter about a woman who gave birth in these tunnels, Um, Hmm. and they would hold. Yeah.
1: So is this book written from? I mean, I'm guessing a Vietnamese author
0: or Vietnamese people who were part of it, or. No, it's actually written by two British uh, journalists from, I believe, the 1980s who went into Vietnam and interviewed uh, former Viet Cong soldiers about the tunnels. And then they went to America and interviewed uh, like the tunnel rats, essentially, who were the American soldiers who went down into them, just trying to understand what had happened with all of this. But they said it was really hard to find the American soldiers because they were just there wasn't really any of them who didn't have some type of severe PTSD from this experience. I can imagine. Yeah. Oh, this is a fun one. Uh, they also had booby traps where, um, you tripped a wire and a box would open and the box was full of scorpions.
1: Scorpions are like those things that like, I'm not scared of, you know, like, even saying spiders and snakes can give you cringes. But if I yeah. actually see a scorpion, they're the most terrifying looking creatures.
0: Oh, they're so, creepy. They're yeah. so creepy. Yeah. Um, I, I don't even know kind of where to go from there with this book because the entire thing is, is essentially just describing these tunnels, what it was like, how they were built. Uh, and it's just incredible. The entire there... book is, is just so interesting.
1: Are there pictures? Are any of
0: these tunnels left? Yeah, so actually, if you go to Vietnam today, you can actually um, tunnel, or you can oh, tour you can like some of these tunnels. You in them? Uh, well, now they actually have uh, guided tours where they widened out some of the tunnels to accommodate Westerners who tend to be kind of large. Uh, not even like fat, just, We're just a Western yeah. is much bigger, bigger than a Vietnamese person. So they widened them out so that they can use them as an educational um, experience. And it's on my bucket list now. I'd never heard of them before this book. And now if I ever go to Vietnam, I 100% want to go into these tunnels. And my yeah. wife has said I'm doing that on my own. So <laughs> I'll do it with <laughs> you. Thanks, um, bud appreciate that.
1: So tell me about, so you said it's two British reporters who did a bunch of interviews and historically, is there any firsthand accounting of soldiers and or Vietnamese like on either side?
0: Yes, uh, there's actually quite a bit of that. Um, And the the chapters kind of alternate between Americans and uh, exposition and Vietnamese. So you get a really good mix of um, just like in their own words, along with Uh, Kind of explaining the the surrounding issues that were going on to kind of give you context for it. So even if you don't know very much about the Vietnam War, this does a really good job of explaining the tunnels in the context of that war. Okay. For like someone who might not know very much about it. Right.
1: Because I I mean I know the general framing of the Vietnam War and I've seen and read plenty of books. I've even read um, The Things They Carried, which is a book entirely about the Vietnam War, um, which I think we talked about last season. But I don't super understand I'm not a big war history buff, so I don't really know the ins and
0: outs of how the war progressed exactly. For sure. Yeah. And this obviously is not a ten thousand foot view. It doesn't really cover every Literally facet a of negative the negative one it's,
1: foot view, it sounds like
0: <laughs> exactly. It's, you know, underground. But it just really focuses in on this specific aspect of the war, which I appreciate because it's something i had never heard of and i don't think most people have heard of this to be honest
1: yeah, it sounds absolutely fascinating and very terrifying doesn't sound yeah. like a good um evening read which is i read books as i'm going to sleep <laughs> most of the time
0: <laughs> yeah probably want to read this in bright light during the middle of the day
1: you didn't answer me if there were pictures
0: oh yes uh you jumped over that there are actually quite a few pictures in the book Uh, They're black and white because this was a lot of them are from the war, Um, but there's an entire middle section that has pictures. And then they have several maps that kind of show what they looked like. There's even a diagram that gives you a good idea of the structure of the tunnels. So it's a pretty comprehensive book. Um, Yeah, it's it's certainly
1: sounds like something that needs to be more visually experienced, at least for me, because I'm having trouble imagining these tiny spaces.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and I – as I've been reading them, I've been doing some light Google sleuthing just to kind of picture it myself because you're right. It's just such a foreign concept that you do have to kind of go into it and build that picture almost from scratch. Yeah. But I don't know. It's – Just interesting, all the different things they did under the tunnels. They even would do um, propaganda shows where they would bring in singers and performers to try and lift the tunnel fighters' spirits. And there's one where uh, Bob Hope was actually up above in the U.S. military base performing. And at the same time, there were uh, performers giving a show for the Viet Cong directly underneath. Oh, God, that's so eerie. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, God, that's like Twilight Zone creepy shit.
0: Yeah. Like, just imagine if these people underground were replaced with, like, some weird mythical creature type thing or it's some like, secret society. It's it gets into, like, those levels of Ugh.
1: it's like the plot of the movie Us, but in Vietnam. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Ooh, that's like making my skin crawl creepy.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. This entire book would just really easily translate to a screenplay like you've got the performer up above and everyone's laughing and then you slowly pan the camera through layers and layers of dirt into this dark underground cavern with uh, all of these vietnamese children singing a patriotic vietnamese communist song like
1: does it feel more like a textbook or is there a story to it
0: though oh that's a good question um it's so interesting it doesn't feel like a textbook, but it's not in narrative form either. Okay. Uh, okay. I would say it's that's more it. like a collection of vignettes because each yeah. chapter kind of stands alone. For the That's most. how
1: most – I feel like that's how most um, non-fictions are, and that's how mine yeah. is. I mean it's obviously telling it in chronological order, but it's still just a series of
0: vignettes that he remembers. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that would be the structure of it. Uh, but yeah, I – I rarely am able to just power through a nonfiction book because it's not narrative form. This one I tore through.
1: Yeah, it I mean, doesn't it even sounds have like...
0: a front cover anymore. So
1: <laughs> it sounds like reading um one of those uh, like cracked o- old school cracked articles or something.
0: Yeah, that actually it just taught you something interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I was like this is all bizarre, but it's so crazy interesting. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it is, and I have recommended it to multiple people so far, and I've only had this book maybe two weeks.
1: <laughs> well, is there a is there a hero of the story, or is there anything like that, or is it just you said? It's, yeah, it jump so honestly, enough?
0: from reading this book, there's no specific person it focuses on. It tries to just get a comprehensive look at it, but after reading it, honestly, I just really feel like the Vietnamese are the good guys you know even though they were the communists and america tends to kind of vilify that whole movement you really do just get the sense that this is a primitive group of people trying to defend their home against a imperialistic regime type scenario i mean that's Um,
1: how i've outside of like my childhood when america good everyone else bad that's how i've kind of always felt every time i've heard a story about the vietnam war it's just been like
0: wait what (laughs) well yeah the problem with vietnam is that it wasn't really our call we were just trying to help our ally but right 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 and and there are some you know positive things that eventually ended up from it all but the vietnam war was very much a are we the baddies situation (laughs) um just a mess of a war honestly and this book really just hits home that the vietnamese are just trying to protect their home and protect their land and they're doing a hell of a job doing because like they don't have bombs awesome they don't have planes it. yeah and they're they're winning you know they were able yeah. to hold off the americans
1: yeah in the ter- most terrifying brilliant way possible <laughs>
0: I wouldn't do it. Death first, honestly. My you know <laughs> what? Take me, enslave like, me, take I don't the country,
1: you know. I don't want it anymore. I'm not taking oh, yeah. it all underground.
0: <laughs> like these guys lived underground for sometimes as long as five years without really Jeez. seeing the sun. Yeah.
1: Jeez.
0: Um, there was one guy in the story who he still had to wear uh correct uh like really dark sunglasses because the sun hurt his eyes after being underground for so <sighs> many years. They became mole people. They became more people. Yeah.
1: Oof.
0: So anyways, I can't recommend the book highly enough.
1: Yeah. I'm disturbed just hearing about it. So I'm very interested in actually reading it.
0: Yeah. That is okay. the tunnels of Ku Ch by Tom Mangold and John Penny Kate. I can't really read it. The, t- the uh, spine is very warm.
1: That's okay. I'm glad you read the um, name of the book slower. So I didn't Uh, irrationally laugh like a middle schooler when you read the tunnels of Gucci again.
0: Yeah, you're ridiculous. I can't stand you.
1: (laughs) Sorry, it was funny. (laughs) All right. Well, um, do you want to read uh, Book Jackets? Oh, no, we have to do the will you read Ghost in the Wires, Stephen?
0: Yeah, I'll read it. It sounds really interesting.
1: Yay. Yeah, I loved it. I mostly listened to it, but I had it on a Kindle, too, so I'd like go on a run and listen to the book and then <laughs> pick up where I was on Kindle and read some more.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Well, I will definitely uh, pick up um, the Tunnels of Coochie, uh, but I will have to read it like during the day and actually study it because I, th- I think it's too eerie for me to try to read to go to sleep.
0: Yeah. Good call. Me nightmares. <laughs> good call. Well, like uh, I said, I, I can't discuss it with, some people, because they just get too claustrophobic, even just listening to the stories.
1: It's not the claustrophobia, it's just like the idea that there could be people underneath us at all times. Like, this yeah. just.
0: And you wouldn't even ugh, know.
1: It's just spine tingly.
0: It's yeah, great. absolutely. Yeah. It took people a long time to figure it out.
1: Yeah. Sounds it's like it. Nah.
0: All okay, right. So, well, read your dust jacket, buddy.
1: All right. Ghost in the Wires My Adventures as the World's Most Wanted Hacker. If there were a Hall of Fame or shame for computer hackers, a Kevin Mitnick plaque would be mounted near the entrance. While other nerds were fumbling with password possibilities, this adept break-in artist was penetrating the digital secrets of Sun Microsystems, DEC, Nokia, Motorola, Pacific Bell, and other mammoth enterprises. His Ghosts in the Wires memoir paints an action portrait of a plucky loner motivated by a passion for trickery, not material game. P.S. Mitnick's capers have already been the subject of two books and a movie, but this first-person account is the most comprehensive to date. Interesting. I love that there was a P.S. on this dust jacket. That's just
0: weird. (laughs) Yeah, that's nuts. I don't think I've ever seen that, honestly. So that's unique for
1: whatever it's it's worth. It's both in parentheticals and it's got the P.S. It's like, all right, you're trying way too hard there.
0: Yeah. I don't know, man.
1: (laughs) All right. Let me hear yours. And then I want to talk about other interesting things that have happened today
0: on the podcast. Okay. So the tunnels of Ku Chi. One of the more remarkable but little known campaigns of the Vietnam War was fought inside the 200 miles of secret tunnel networks around Saigon between Viet Cong guerrillas and special American forces known as tunnel rats. This is the harrowing account of American soldiers of great courage who volunteered to enter black tunnels armed only with pistols and knives and often fought in deadly hand-to-hand combat with the enemy. This is the gripping account of brave men whose stories of heroism have never been told.
1: I like it. It sounded more regal and uplifting than your description of the book,
0: though. (laughs) No, the book is a freaking horror show. There's nothing good about it. This book cover glamorizes it
1: yeah which is what everybody does with patriotism it makes it glamorous and not you know harsh and brutal and terrible Mm, that's why i usually stray away from war stories because they all feel that way it's all like yay happy go lucky war is amazing it's like no no everybody thinks war is horrible even the people who are in it only the people who didn't go to it think it's that cool
0: (laughs) yeah like teenagers uh so I actually one more thing before we go off of this book. I do want to read two you know how most books have quotes from uh, major publications like New York Times, Wall yeah, Street Journal. Yeah. so there are two of them on here that are really funny to me. Okay. So The Wall Street Journal said about this book, "The tunnels look like rat holes leading straight down to hell." Uh, that is honestly a better description of the book than the book jacket sounds and then funny. Yeah, and then the New York Post, their entire quote says, intriguing. <laughs> <Why> <laughs> Isn't that hilarious?
1: Why would you put that as your pull quote?
0: Like, to that sell cracks your book. me up. That really cracks me up intriguing. because it's just, I just imagine like some guy who finishes the book and he's like, I don't know what the hell to say about this. <sighs> intriguing. All right, slap that on the cover. I'll right. sell a copy or two.
1: It's almost sarcastic too. That's like yeah, the is. state of Oklahoma's new slogan, which is inherently sarcastic. Imagine that. Like, why would you do that?
0: Wait, what, that's your new slogan?
1: That is the state's slogan. Imagine that. Imagine that. Oh,
0: that's... And it's supposed
1: stupid. to be like, say all these good things, and like, imagine that in Oklahoma. It's like, yeah, no. but you do realize you're saying that means that's not currently in Oklahoma, that we have right. to imagine it. Like, no. Imagine that. Everything about the <laughs> slogan ridiculous. is terrible. That's why state...
0: Yes, that's bad. Damn, ugh.
1: My state is really, really dumb.
0: That's (laughs) bad. Yeah. This episode of the podcast sponsored by the state of Oklahoma.
1: (laughs) Imagine that. Don't come here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm warning you. No. (laughs) So getting off topic uh, a little bit, but we have some very important news for the podcast. One, and this is actually not that important, but I feel like it's very important. If you follow us on Twitter, um, at book underscore pod or instagram at the book report pod you have seen that we have a new mascot which is judgmental flamingo or judgmental lego flamingo and i don't understand it i don't know where it comes from i don't know what the context is but he's now our mascot because
0: it's all him. joel's idea he controls all <laughs> social media i had no say in this matter that's my disclaimer
1: we now have a flamingo mascot don't ask any questions
0: <laughs> i didn't because it's just not worth it <laughs>
1: It's just okay. I have the fascination with these birds because I saw um the Planet Earth 2 or, or I think it was Planet Earth 2, the David Attenborough thing and he's talking about flamingos at one point and he's talking about this uh like really high up in the mountains um lake where flamingos live and
0: during when the winter freeze and their legs get yeah, stuck. Yeah. It's it
1: frozen solid and they're stuck in the water and I just find that so gloriously stupid. These dumbass birds get frozen in a lake every night and you're stuck there until the sun unthaws it. I find that hilarious. And then literally the next day I was playing cards against humanity and I got the card, um, the white card that was like, ch- that said chopping flamingos legs off with garden shears. And I laughed so hard I cried. And so now every time I see anything about these stupid, fragile birds, that are ridiculous looking, I just laugh uncontrollably. So, I don't actually love them. I think they're idiotic animals, but I can't not laugh at them. And that one is a judgmental version of one made out of Legos as our podcast mascot. Um, <laughs> huh. But the actual news is that today, me and Steven have uh, finally been gifted with the uh, newest book in the Dresden Files, peace talks was released today um which i'm ecstatic about and have already read the first chapter um <laughs> uh, and i will probably read most of the book today but yeah this is book what is it book 16 or 17
0: of Yeah, the it's Dresden. up
1: there. Yeah. and there's only supposed to be like four more um and they're all the concluding but like this one and one other are the is the last like regular books and then he's gonna close it out with a duo or a trilogy i can't remember exactly but like it's nearing the end of the series so this is very exciting um and i don't know you might want to tune out this is i mean it's a spoiler but i'm really just going to read the first couple lines of the book because as we've discussed in our full dresden files episode which you could find i don't know the name of it i should have look that up but um we discussed our favorite characters and my favorite character is um dresden's brother thomas um and so the first line is uh it it you'll see why I think this book is gonna be amazing because of this first line.
0: <clears throat> you ready? I'm ready.
1: Okay. My brother ruined a perfectly good run by saying Justine is pregnant. <laughs> nice that was the opening line of the nice. book. And I like that's funny. I immediately like let laugh I'm, out loud, funny, honestly. Really excited. <laughs> that's pretty good. So if you know anything about the books, that's like almost impossible and incredibly intriguing and sets up all kinds of interesting stuff that could happen. And I can't wait to figure out what it is in this book, but it's obviously going to focus on Justine and Thomas, which I love their relationship and their story arc. So all this is going to be
0: fun. (laughs) Absolutely. I can't wait, uh, but I'm going to have to, because I'm number 112 on my library's wait list for the ebook. Yeah. yeah. At least the
1: eBooks, those at least at my library, the ebook borrowings, You only have them on like a five-day limit, so hopefully it'll
0: roll over quickly. That's weird because mine is seven, and I'm pretty sure you and I use the same library.
1: I swear mine's on a five-day rollover. It's possible. Maybe it's changed to seven since the last time I used it, but I swear. Um, But yeah, well... It was only $14. I bought it as soon as I got the notification and downloaded it. I may have read that verse line in the car while driving. I was so excited about this book coming out.
0: Yeah, that's funny.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up for the episode. Um, We will be doing a couple more recommendations for the rest of this season. I say the rest of the season. We don't have an official number of episodes before we end the season, but we're trying to wind it down.
0: Just and wait then COVID kills us.
1: Yeah, and then Stephen, you have now finished, at least, or have you finished the first book of the um, Broken Earth trilogy?
0: I have. So okay. once I finish the other two, we'll have a good ch- chat about it. That might be our last episode. Yeah,
1: yeah, I was thinking that could be their last episode or first episode of next season or something. I like the idea of doing, like we did with the Lightbringer series, where we do little recaps at the end of each episode of you talking about um, Broken Earth. We could try that next episode.
0: If I you mean I can do enough. it now if you want me to.
1: Do you have time? I know
0: you were needing to leave. Oh I, c- I can do it. It doesn't need to be super long. So okay. um first book in Broken Earth. First book. Yeah, first one. So um one of my spoilers, pet- by the way. Duck out is. <laughs> Absolutely you <don't> want. spoilers. <laughs> um yikes that was almost bad. Anyways. <laughs> so the book in terms of world building is fantastic. The magic system is interesting. The, um, just the stratification of society is really well done. And I like a lot of elements of this book and it's very interesting. I, my attention was there through the whole thing. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves though, is when, um, books, movies, TV shows, whatever, introduce sex without a purpose. Um, pisses me off doesn't do anything for me because i think that things should drive the plot and if especially with sex if it is thrown in there and it doesn't have a purpose the entire reason it's there is like titillation it's just there to i don't know it's like a cheap thrill to keep your readers interested and i don't like it i think it's just not a good yeah you've given that opinion artistic.
1: a lot and i to some degree agree with that one um i and i it's been a while since i read the first book, and. I'm sure it actually happened that way in the book, but I remember all the relationships that exist and are discussed in this book do have big ramifications.
0: No. So here's, here's the deal. I think that, um, Oh crap. Essen, is that her name? Main character? Yes. Okay. So Essen, one of
1: her many names,
0: (laughs) one of her many names when she's a young person in the, um, the, not the forum. Oh my God. What's it called? The, training place for Change. the orogenists. when she's there and she is forced to have sex with the um master orogenist, i i think that's a good use of sex i have no problem with that because that really shows you what the the world is like and it drives home the fact that the orogenists are not really considered to be people they are just like property to be used as their master see fit i appreciate that use of it um once they get to the island and it devolves into a three-way, there's no reason for that, honestly. Um, okay, see, you can, I, you, and in my opinion, you can do what was done with all of that in a I don't know, um, in better ways. I don't think that you need to throw a three way in there to I got make you. it and work.
1: It, it definitely threw me the first reading. Um, but I'm I don't understand how anybody could ever like be interested and have even the emotional capacity to deal with more than one person at once. Um, so being a part of a throuple is just the most bizarre concept in the world to me. So it threw me. But by the end of the series, I was looking back onto that period of the characters' lives as the most peaceful and beautiful because of how horrible things get for everybody. So like oh, and I, I, I get that, but I purpose, think you can, think but, you can yeah. do
0: that very easily just by the fact that she's living on an island where people accept her. Like that's, yeah, I don't that's think true. you really need to throw. And then the other thing is there. That because of that, mixed with a couple of other things in the first book, um, a few things really just felt like N.K. Jemisin was just trying almost too hard to be hyper-inclusive. Um, Because by the end of the first book, you have a gay character, a thruple essentially, and a trans character. A
1: bisexual um, thruple and a trans
0: And character. a bisexual <laughs> thruple, right. So some of those things uh, just don't really seem to me like they have a purpose for being there other than um, – and I, I know from trying to get published that a lot of publishers – on their what we're looking for section. Say we want books that involve specifically those types of characters. So it really just feels like a, a thing that was like almost like a it felt disingenuous, like it was thrown in there in order to catch the attention of a publisher and of a publisher deal. Um, of so a uh, didn't I really gotcha. like it. bit of a little
1: bit I a little bit I I little I don't think I of a little of that way, but I can see that of that Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, what see um, you think easily one one final say, critique, yeah. and then I'll let you ask your question. The other thing is, I thought that um, uh, she was just a little, just a little lazy on two things. And the only reason it bothers me is because she was incredibly inventive in a lot of other ways. Um, okay. Like I said, her world building and her uh, societal everything was just phenomenal. And then for some reason, she took just a very very lazy writing thing where the you you can tell um that the entire book is kind of based off of the idea of the american slave system and you got like the stratification society and at the bottom are these non-human people and blah blah blah. but she called her lowest of the low society members who end up being magically powerful orogenies which is just a scramble of the word negro or negroes Um, And
1: like I felt that
0: was lazy. And then she called like the slur for the erogenies was Raga, which sounds very similar to the N word, even with the double G. So I just felt that was a little lazy for her.
1: And I felt like such an idiot when you pointed that out to me because I did not hear that. Like like I never saw that, even though I realized the book was an allegory in a lot of ways or the story is allegory in a lot of ways for slavery and race relations but i did not
0: like that connection. i like <laughs> i like that she used the book as a platform to kind of explore all of that i really i love it when fantasy books use their platform to explore historical issues or whatever um but i i really felt like she was talking down to me when i realized that she had done that because i was like oh this is really interesting she's exploring issues of slavery and all of those this is fascinating. Oh, damn it. She made it way too obvious by doing that, and it just kind of pissed me off that I felt like she thought I was too stupid to get there on my own.
1: I just just felt really stupid that I didn't figure that out. (laughs) 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 Well, this is my last question, and then I'll let you go. Um, No,
0: that's it. Go for it. uh,
1: The thing I found the most egregious and annoying for the entire series, even when it's explained and it's given a good reason in the last book, is the fact that One of the three storylines, which this is the most fascinating thing about this book for me getting into it, um, was that there's three separate storylines taking place at three different times. And then again, spoiler, they all merge at the end and you realize it's been the same person. Um, but one of them is constantly referred to as you, like it's being written to you, the reader, or talked to you, the character, but obviously it's not you. You're not inside of the book. And it was just so annoying that one whole section, they literally called the character you the
0: whole time. I agree, Did you I hated have that, that same problem, okay. Yes, um, I didn't think that was well done, honestly. Yeah, uh, it was really definitely, I way. guess you could call it inventive, but I thought it was like a bad invention, it was terrible.
1: Yeah, like it has a purpose. It,
0: it rips you out of the story and it makes it very hard to be immersed yes. in it.
1: And it has a very good and endearing purpose, but if you would've just replaced that with a different name, it would've worked the same way. And just never explain where that name came from by the end. It didn't need yeah. to be the U. I mean, within the context of how everything works, it needed to be. But you didn't have to set it up that way, and that annoyed me. The reveal for that is kind of expected near the end of the it third is. book, and it works. But okay. the um, but it still was just like the whole time I was like, Ugh, I still feel like you could have done it differently. I get it. I see what you're doing. But I still feel like it could have been done slightly less, less annoyingly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, because it is really hard to like read through an entire book that's written like that. Even though it is a setup, it's just
1: and it gets yeah, it gets a little more tricky. in depth because obviously by the end of the first book, one of those three storylines, if uh, two of those three storylines are basically done, um, and slight spoiler for you reading the next one, there's still like a broken up story, but it's two different points of view instead of three and they're not the same person anymore. It actually starts adding in yeah. other perspectives and other storylines.
0: Um, yeah, I, I started the second book.
1: Okay, yeah. yeah. It's... I The second book is really... The first book is probably... I, pro, I like them, I bet, the third book, the first book, and then the second book. Um, yeah. Just because I the second book feels a lot like the middle of a trilogy. I don't remember any huge standout moments from it, but every single thing that happens in the third book is a massive standout moment, so... Yeah, I can't
0: wait till you finish them. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I hope they live up to it. So, um, well, that is all the time I have, unfortunately. All right.
1: Well, thank you all for listening, um, and we'll see you all back when we're
0: back. <laughs> Adios, mi amigos.
1: Bye.